If you could add any language to your brain without having to learn it, which language would it be? French. Spanish. Chinese. Why'd you say French? I don't know. It was the first thing that popped in my mind, but I, I've always liked French. You said Spanish, know. right? Yes. Okay, French and Spanish, I feel like those are learnable, right? I would I say like so, yeah. yeah. I feel like Chinese is a lot harder. That's why I said that. Yeah. Right? And then you can't even read it. That's true. So it's if it so was embedded in me, and plus, Chinese, like, there's so many Chinese people in the world. What? They're the most amount of people, right? Like, there's more Chinese oh, yeah, people yeah, than yeah, any other a, type of person, yeah. right? Yeah. So then if I had Chinese in me, that'd be, like, a whole another world. Like, half the world. You know what All I'm saying? Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, welcome to another episode of Strange Flavors. This is brought to you by Aleph Theory. My name is Faraz. I'm Danny. I'm Rashad, a.k.a. The Sauce Kid. If you want to email us, email us at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. You can send us music there as well. Um, Danny, you were recently where? I actually went to Firefly Music Festival. How was that? It was, was a that? lot of fun. Yeah. I had a great time. Um, and I saw some awesome artists, which I think you guys would appreciate too. I, li- I really liked the, um, the EDM artist this time around, like, which I didn't think that I would, but they Brandon were probably would my favorite. Brandon appreciate that. He yeah. loves the electronic stuff. That's what I was thinking. You did all the makeup stuff that they do, you know, like the basic, uh, festival basic. girls. It is not basic. <laughs> is, I got a lot of You did the dots above the eyebrows. Yes, I did. I was looking so forward to that. Like the office <laughs> is my favorite part, you know, besides uh-huh. the actual music, but I like dressing up. So. Where do they get that from? Like, I don't know where it is. Festival culture. Yeah, I don't know. Well, a lot of it comes from like Hindu and Indian stuff. I know that. And then people get really upset about that when they're like, when people start doing like the pindies yeah, and stuff like that on the forehead. But yeah, um, I just got back from Iceland. Uh, How was that? It was really, really cool. It's like a totally different type of country. It's like something you'd see in the movies. And you guys remember when we talked to Amber? Like, mm-hmm. when yeah. she went to Iceland, I was just like, God, I want to go there so bad. Because after that movie, Walter Mitty, I was like, I really want to go there. So as a graduation gift, my sister surprised me. And she was like, guess what? We're going to Iceland. I was like, That's no so way. Because awesome. I wasn't even thinking of going there for the longest time. But, um, yeah, it was me, her, and my brother that went. And uh, it was surreal. We were like, it was daylight all day. Um, it would be like 2 a.m. in the morning. And it was still bright like it is right now. And um, so we we got to pack a lot of things into one day and we were there for five days. So it was always just like uh, road trips. We were only we were like the only ones on the road a lot of the times or sheep and horses just roaming around everywhere. I had to be careful because I almost hit a bunch of them. And like (laughs) we'd be driving through the mountains. We'd pull over and just climb around a mountain at, you know, like 3 a.m. in the morning. That was really cool. And then we um, we went snorkeling in the Silfro, which is an area between the two continental plates where like a lot of earthquake activity happens. And it's water there that's filtered after a hundred years from the glaciers. So it's crystal clear. You can see, well, actually like it goes deeper than your eyes can even see, you know, hundreds of feet deep. And the water is so like pure. There's no animals in it because it's not salt water. You can just drink it the entire time you're doing that. So it feels like you're skydiving because it's so clear. And it was, it was scary though because I've never done anything like that before. And then later in the day, we went horseback riding, which I've never been on a horse before either, through the mountains. And that was completely crazy, too, because we were up there and the horses want to be all the way at the edge of the mountain for some reason. And so you're looking down and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die today. 
And on the way back, the lady asked us, like, does anybody want to go a little bit faster? And, of course, my brother and I were like, you know what? We're here. Like, let's do it. And we were, the horses were just, you know, full on going at it down the mountain. It was so scary because I didn't even know how to hold on. So I'm like holding on to different parts and I'm like, God, I'm going to die today. I'm going to get knocked (laughs) off. It is scary, but it was definitely like, you know, once in a lifetime experience. So that whole trip was just too fun. You were in Ocean City. Yes, sir. Look, we were all doing different things. That's pretty cool. How was that? It was okay, man. I think uh, I went Tuesday to Sunday. Um, I think it was too long. Yeah, too long. Too long. Too long. Um, I mean, I had fun, but I think me personally, that's like a place I would only go for like the weekend. Like I could probably go somewhere like Florida for a week, but yeah, Ocean City, yeah. to me, it's just like a weekend spot. So if I if I go next year, it'll probably be for like a few days. Richard, yes, is LeBron the goat? No, why? He's not. LeBron's not the greatest of all time. Actually, you know what? I think honestly, this greatest of all time debate. Shouldn't oh yeah, you said you said you don't like the debate. I think that Jordan is forever the greatest player of his generation. LeBron is the greatest player of our generation today. Fair enough. Okay. But if you ask me personally, is LeBron the great I, the goat? I don't think so. Personally, because I just think Jordan and even guys like Kobe, I would. I would consider Kobe. But you, ju- but you just said the best of their generation, yes. the best of this generation. And he is. It? He is. But I would say that one thing that LeBron doesn't have that guys like Jordan and Kobe did. And I, and I say that like when I talk about Kobe, I, I say LeBron would probably be ahead of Kobe just because of his all-around stature and everything that he could do like he could play all five positions Kobe couldn't play all five positions but I think LeBron lacks that killer instinct that Jordan and Kobe possess if Jordan's team was down 20 points going into the fourth quarter if Jordan had to go out there and take 40 shots by himself he would do it and he would shoot until he couldn't shoot anymore regardless if it was a win or lose situation he put himself in a position Look, this is my team. I'm going to bring this team back. LeBron, look. Yeah, but but then again, look. Okay, the, it's like when you have a team like the Warriors, LeBron doesn't have much of a choice. Like, he has to make some... And he's not even like what Kevin Love is like. But... Kevin Love's not an MVP player. And he's not. That's true. Steph is. That's true. KD I, is. I totally agree with you. But at the same time... LeBron has guys that can step up. Look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving had a great finals. You know, Kevin Love disappeared in yeah, some games. Yeah, Kyrie did. In the bench, they didn't come through for him. So I feel like LeBron played better than anybody. Oh, of course. In the finals, definitely. That's did. why I feel like it's just like he was just too good. Maybe that was his peak. I don't know, but I just you just can't do it by yourself. No matter how great Jordan was, Jordan couldn't do it by himself. You know, he had to have some role. He would go out there and do what he had to do for well, his. It's team. not one on one. It's it is a team sport. Like, yeah. So, you do need people. Exactly. Speaking of goats, I might get turned into a goat today. You guys know who's on the show? Who's on the show? Graham Phillips. He's does hypnosis, and he's going to hypnotize me. <laughs> Daddy's like, <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to talk to him about um, what he does, if it's like being in the sunken place and get out, and what the purpose of all of it is. So... 
Everybody, please welcome Graham Phillips. <laughs> H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P. See, I'm hypnotizing you now. <laughs> yes, you I'm are. Sleep. <laughs> Were you guys scared? I was scared, yeah. I was like, <laughs> a little nervous. Why? Why didn't you guys want to do it? That's what I want to know. Because, like, what if I say something weird or do something <laughs> weird? I didn't ask him anything weird, though. Yeah, I just got hypnotized by our guest today. Graham Phillips. Graham Phillips. Um, he's a hypnotist. He's sitting here with us today, and just a few minutes ago, Danny and Richard were just watching me go into the sunken place. No, not the sunken place, but um, yeah, he just he just hypnotized me, and um, I've never, like, I've meditated and stuff before, and I've never been able to get in the place where whoever is talking to me has asked me to, and there were moments like that just now. But there were moments where I was like, I was trying really hard to just follow your voice. And I think that's what made it a little bit easier is that there's nothing else to distract me. You keep on talking. So like when you said you can't open your eyes, like I really felt like I couldn't open my eyes. And that was really cool because I've never (laughs) experienced that before. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you were doing for those seven minutes right now? Sure. It's uh, hypnosis is about the power of suggestion. And uh, I made suggestions. And like you said, one suggestion was you cannot open your eyes. And if you believe that suggestion, if you trust what I have to say, you will not be able to open your eyes. Now, you relax your eyes, then I asked you to send that feeling of relaxation down your body, which you did. I mentioned specific body parts, starting with your face, even the hair on your head, which you, I'm sure, probably thought was silly, but you tried to relax your hair. So down your face, your cheeks, your nose, your lips, your corners of your mouth, then your neck and your head. I said, your head is now getting so heavy, your neck so loose, you'd almost not be able to hold your head up, support your head. And then if you notice, or you probably didn't notice, but everybody watching you, your head started slumping down. So to me, that's an indication with your eyes locking down. And I did ask you, I said, I'm going to count from one to three. And by the time you get to three, I'm going to ask you to test your eyes to make sure they wouldn't open. And I counted one, one to three, and I looked at your eyes, and they didn't open. So I knew that's the first stage of hypnosis. It's a depth test that I use. And by knowing you can't open your eyes, I knew you're starting into the process of deep relaxation. That's really all hypnosis is. It's focused concentration and deep relaxation with the intent of making a positive change. Yeah, I think, and there's a lot of like misconception about it even before we even, he even came in here before we were going to talk to him. I think my whole perception was that like, you know, you're going to put me in this state where there's going to be spirals in my eyes and I'm going to be in some weird place and you're going to make me do things that I don't want to do. Um, but from what I just experienced, it seems like it is, you know, exactly what you just said, you know, a relaxation thing. And it's supposed to get people away from their burdens and their stresses. Um, that's that's what it felt like. So um, how did you even get into this? Well, actually, I got into it a long time ago. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I went to college in California on a golf scholarship, and we had a great golf team. And my coach, and back in the 70s, this was unheard of, and he said, hey, let's try a hypnotist to focus the team to improve. And he brought in a hypnotist, and uh, it really helped the team. We learned to focus. We learned to... Uh, really just monitor our swings, keep ourselves in control. 
when pressure was on in matches, we learned to control our heart rates, our thoughts, positive reinforcement, positive visualization. It was all taught to the team, and our team improved tremendously. So it was, to me, it was like a miracle. And you were like, this is what I want to do. Well, I didn't start right then, but actually, this was in San Diego, and there was a stage hypnotist also. It wasn't the same hypnotist that came to coach us, but it was someone else, and it was a well-known hypnotist who I'd ne never heard of. I really knew nothing about it, but my wife and I went down to see his show, and we just was nonstop laughter. I, you know, you almost can't believe the things you see, the things that people are willing to do. They're up on stage to have fun. And so I saw both sides of hypnosis. I saw the fun part, the stage hypnosis shows, and then the productive part, the parts where you can visualize and learn and improve sports or change your mind. And now hypnotism in sports is so common. I've heard Tiger Woods has been seeing a hypnotist since he was three, and most great athletes, uh, Michael Jordan, is constantly visualizing his basketball shot when he was playing. And uh, pitchers, they, they wind up and they visualize. And if you visualize throwing the perfect strike or bowling the perfect bowling ball, it's actually better than doing it physically poorly. What qualifies you as a hypnotist? Is there like an educational background you need? Any certifications? Definitely. The largest guild or organization in the world for hypnotists is called the National Guild of Hypnosis, which I am a member. I think there's nine or 10,000 of us. And it's out of uh, New England. And I attend their conferences every year. It's a great conference. We get about 2,000 people that take over a hotel, and we're all just walking around hypnotizing the staff and hypnotizing everybody. And it's just a, a great mood. Everybody's happy. What do you happy. mean by that? Like when, when you're saying, like, you know, on stage and like you're hypnotizing the staff, like, are they aware of it? Well, they like, know that the, the group of hypnotists have taken over their hotel. Okay. So you can do what's called covert hypnosis, which I don't do. The government does it, believe it or not, the FBI, the CIA. Oh, God. They can do covert hypnosis. <laughs> they can hypnotize you without knowing. And it, it's I not, believe in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not like the Manchurian candidate where they can get you to do things you wouldn't normally do. But uh, we just have a great time at the conference. It's, of course, it's, it's like a week of just training and taking courses and continuing your education. But, uh, you know, the waiters and the waitresses, and, hey, can we hypnotize you? Because there is instant hypnosis. When I hypnotized you, I think it took about seven minutes. But there, in, in instant hypnosis, I can hypnotize some people in seven or eight seconds. So there's evil hypnotists out there. Would you, would you <laughs> well, say that? Like if, like if you can do that, right, and you happen to be a bad man, I'm just trying well, to get because there's still I'm still having like the misconceptions a little bit. Am yeah, I the where only did the stigma come from? Like, are there bad hypnotists? Well, like, I don't even know how to say the word, but. Come on, Richard. You, you know you're thinking what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just need to know because... <laughs> what do you need to know, Richard? I mean, you're a good guy. I mean, I can clearly tell. But, I mean, you know, there's evil afoot, sir, so... There is evil afoot. So, uh, are there any bad guys out there? It's very rare in, in this field, but uh, the thing about hypnosis is you hear everything I say. I can't get you to do things that are against your moral code. So uh, I'll be honest with you. Every man wants to be a hypnotist. So when they're out on a date, they have these crazy thoughts that they can get their girlfriend or wife or whoever to do strange things for them. But it just doesn't work out like that. Believe me, I tried. And if my <laughs> wife was here, if my wife was here, she'd, uh, she'd be shaking her head. So uh, I can't get you to do anything against your moral compass. Uh -huh. 
But I have, to be honest with you, not to paint a negative picture, but there have been some instances where there have been some nefarious characters, and it's just that's what really sets a bad reputation for this industry. Plus, some of the movies of the 30s and 40s where there were some, the movies portrayed the hypnotist as, a, as an evil guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just so unlikely. I'm just thinking, like, this is some type of superpower. <laughs> if I had this, yeah. I'd go up to my manager. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you are now in a deep sleep. Yeah. You're going to raise my check by $20. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's what I have. A qu- like, what is the difference between just, like, the hypnotizing like deep relaxing and like mind manipulating control? yeah like is it well is the purpose it i guess is the same but mind control generally takes weeks and weeks and it's a constant bombardment mm-hmm. of negative influences and subtle tricks that the mind controller can use where i just come right at you hear every word i say if you don't hear what i say then you're sleeping and usually i would talk to my client i didn't speak with you but you talk in your normal voice and I want to hear responses. I can take you back in your memory to almost anything. Take you back to your childhood. Take you back to your first birthday, your first cigarette. In fact, if someone comes to me and wants to become a non-smoker, I always take them back to their very first cigarette. And usually it's, well, I was 12 or 13 and they can remember it instantly. So we go back and repair the damage done in the past. How often are people like skeptical of you or just like the whole practice in general? Well, they do have questions and the industry is getting better. We've been approved by the American Medical Association since 1957. So that's been a great endorsement. That's been, what, 60 years, 70 years now. And uh, we do, the guild that I'm a member of is just a tremendous organization for promoting our skills. And uh, we're just becoming more and more widely used. People don't like to use medicine. They don't want to take pills. They don't want that shot. Or they don't want to go to the dentist and feel the pain. They're afraid of dentists or doctors. So more and more, you can do dental surgery under hypnosis. In fact... uh, Wait, you can do... Like, the dentist can do it under... No, the, the dentist, okay. no, the, the, the patient. I was isn't. like, my dentist better not be <laughs> No, the, the dentist isn't, but the patient is, right. to feel no pain. So you don't need okay. that shot of Novocaine or the gas or whatever. You can. Uh, th- I talked earlier about the different stages of hypnosis. There's generally six depths, and you'd have to take them to the deepest level, the sixth state, and they just won't feel pain. The uh, pain is recorded in the brain, not in the body, so... I can get you to that state stage, and I would have gotten you there if we had more time, oh. and you just wouldn't feel pain. And That's I demonstrate true. I like that. that. Like um, when when kids like you notice when like kids like fall or something, and then they're fine until like they look for something, and then if they see blood, yeah. they start yeah. crying. That's or, the thing. Yeah. That's like, mm-hmm. or they see their mother. You know, all of a sudden they're coming. Right. They went to a baseball game or football game, not got knocked around, and they're fine. They don't even focus on the pain. Then they're walking in the door at home, and their mom's there with her arms open, or father or whatever and all of a sudden they just start crying i hurt my finger or i cut myself whatever right. so it's where you focus your attention right. basically and that's your mind follows where you focus your attention if you're driving a car and you focus to the right the car has a tendency to drift to the right it's the same thing with the body follows the mind i'm usually just like a skeptical person to start with so like just now i was trying my hardest just to like listen and be open-minded i think it's also just like my mind's always racing at a million miles an hour all the time and like I don't sleep a lot 
Mm-hmm. Um, I probably get like just a few hours, three or four hours every night. I'm just thinking about so many different things at the same time. So um, yeah, I think if I could truly just like get more focused, it would have been a better experience for me. Like I would love to see it happen to somebody else. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Have you seen the movie Get Out, or do you know what that is? People have told me about it, but I have not seen it. Okay, so like that was when we when I told these guys about it. We have like a group text of the podcast, and I was telling them about you, and then that's like the first thing that I think we all thought it was like Get Out, because I mean it's it's about like this black guy who has a white girlfriend, and he goes to her house for the first time, and it becomes this whole thing where like any black person that lives in that town is in the sunken place, right? And so they're being controlled by a white person who was too old or disabled um, and needs to live through them. Does that make sense? (laughs) So like the guy, he's like kind of sketchy about everything going on. And the girl's mom, she's the one that actually hypnotizes people. And she does it by like spinning a spoon over and over. And every time the, the spoon hits the side of the teacup, the person will like go deeper and deeper in the sleep. And I think that's what, that's, that was probably our only knowledge of what hypnotism is in general. Okay. And that's what do you a, think about Well, that? that's a good point because when I was hypnotizing you earlier, the first thing I told you was to look at me, uh-huh. focus on me. So in the scenario you just presented, they were focusing on the teacup and the spoon. Uh-huh. So you can really focus on anything. They used to have the big spinning circle that uh, sort of went in and out like this or yeah. a, a strobe light or just something to focus your eyes if i'm doing a stage show i can t- ask the people to focus on the camera lights behind me or i generally just get them to focus on me and i because i that way i know they're looking at me they have to focus on something focus is very important and in your case it was the, the teacup i could give you a piece of paper with words written on it i wouldn't have to say a word mm-hmm. And the words would just say things like sleep, relax. And just by reading the words, you could go into your own deep level of hypnosis. Okay. I mean, there's self-hypnosis, and I do it every day for myself. It, I do it so often that I can do it almost instantly. It takes me 10 or 15 seconds. Do you talk to yourself? Like, how does, how does I that don't. Work? If no one's in the room, I know I can. Uh-huh. But I do it so often that I just think in my mind the changes or what improvements I want to make. If I'm having a, a situation with work let's say or whatever or stress i'll just focus on a solution to the stress what's causing the stress what's the best way to handle it without flying off the handle or getting mad it's and your mind the thing is with hypnosis your mind is just more focused you don't see all the or you don't hear all the extemporaneous noise you focus like you were just focusing on my voice and i repeated that again it's going back to suggestions Focus on my voice and my voice only. You'll hear no other sounds but my voice. So when I'm talking to myself, even though it's not out loud, I'm just focusing on my voice. And that's when I can make those changes. So if I'm just talking, if I'm just having a regular conversation, if I just met someone, maybe they're focusing on my shirt or my hat or the dog barking or the car driving by. But in hypnosis, all that stuff is gone. I think if I was by myself, too, it would have worked a lot better. Because mm-hmm. I'm, like, thinking about Richard. He's about to start cracking up at me. Yeah. Danny's holding the phone over there. There's other people watching. So then sure. I think it's probably, like, by yourself, it's probably better. So when you're doing it to yourself, can you you can just pull yourself out at any time? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. But um, you just tell yourself before you go in, well, I just want this to last a couple of minutes or 20 minutes. And you have an internal alarm clock. It's amazing how effective that can be. I'm sure you know people that don't have to 
even use an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Your body is so regimented. You, well, I'm getting up at 7 o'clock. And you, again, you tell yourself that. The mind is amazing. It just knows pretty much you can get up at 7 o'clock. What type of people usually come in? Well, they just come to, to me for help. For help, okay. They, they've generally done research. They've looked me up online. They've okay. Googled or they, they know about hypnosis. Would there be a commonality with your clients? I can't think of anything except that they all want, want to make a change. Anybody? Yeah. And any age? Any age. Uh, I don't usually work with children under six or seven. Okay. But uh, they all have fears. I would say that's a perfect commonality. They, have they don't realize it. But there's a fear, some sort of fear. Now, there's four great fears in this world that prevent you from improving in life. The four great fears are success, failure, the unknown, and change. The biggest fear we have is the fear of change. People are afraid to change. They don't realize it. But when I start bringing that out, they, oh my gosh, I was, you're right. I'm afraid to change. I'm afraid to become a non-smoker. I'm afraid to uh, fly in an airplane. That's a change. I'm afraid to stop uh, playing with my hair. Why uh, success, though? Why would, why would people be afraid of success? Well, that's, it's an interesting subject. Because so many people say that success. Why would I not be afraid of success? First of all, it requires change. And maybe you can't handle it. If you can't handle the success, then where does that leave you? In sort of a failure state. Maybe people will expect more from you. It's, you have to live up to your father's image, your mother's image. Well, I'm successful. What if you can't quite live up to their expectations? So it's really quite a burden. And success generally isn't a straight line. It's ups and downs. It's like climbing a mountain. To get to the top, sometimes you have to go down or you have to cross over hurdles or jump over streams or, you know, rappel down or up rocks. So it's not always a straight line and not everybody can handle success or the road to success. Just hearing you talk, I feel like your voice has a lot to do with it too. Like I'm thinking if like if it was, if it was somebody else that has like a really cringy voice, imagine like Kim Kardashian trying to <laughs> hypnotize you, right? Yeah. Like that's not going to happen for me because I'm like focusing too much on because you're just like very much like this. Right? Well, that's another thing. Do you have to like train to do that? Like is there a proper way to speak when you're hypnotizing someone? No, there isn't. Uh, it used to be 30, 40, 50 years ago they talk very soft, very slow, very gentle. It was sort of a maternal thing. But those days are gone. You can I know a lot of hypnotists that just come right at you real quick. They yell at you? They they can yell at you. They just say, sleep, sleep, sleep. But uh, it depends on the client. I try and get a read for them. Women I speak to differently in a softer voice than men. Generally, not always. It's not a hard and fast rule. But uh, I try and summarize them. When, when a client comes to me, the first thing they do is fill out a form. And uh, since I am a handwriting analyst, they don't know that, but I... Can you explain what that is? You yeah, I analyze their handwriting. It's called graphology, and it's the study of handwriting, and it's wow. making assumptions from the way people use a pen. Pen used to, uh, writing, handwriting used to be called uh, brain writing, because you really do write with your brain. Your mm -hmm. brain sends messages to your hand how to make the strokes and ups and downs and how far above and below the line you go, where you indent, on and on, where you dot an I, how you make the capital letter I. There's so many factors in a handwriting. What uh, can you like, if at, like, you know, somebody who has like really neat cursive versus somebody who has like really... Chicken scratch. Chicken scratch. <laughs> like, what, what can you determine about that? I can, determine, I can determine most anything about everybody. It doesn't matter if they have neat handwriting or the chicken scratch that you mentioned. 
there's just, as they say, so many factors. But mm-hmm. they've done studies, and handwriting's been around for over 200 years. There was two schools originally in, in Europe, and they came together. It was started by the, uh, the abbots in the monasteries, and then uh, it just branched out, and then they came together, and they really did tremendous research. And uh, it's amazing. There's books on it, but it's amazing how uh, true it is. And I can just look. Your signature tells a lot about you. But since they fill out a whole form for me, they're really giving me more information. Then I ask them to sign for it. How you write your name tells a lot about you. I don't know what you think about doctors then, because well, they have... <laughs> yeah. doctors, doctors are another story. And, you <laughs> know, people that sign it. autographs all the time, that's, that's something. Or sign checks. Some, people, some business people sit there all day, or accountants, and sign checks. But they, I could still, if I had more than just their signature, I could really know 90% of their personality. Do you know I change my handwriting all the time? Yeah, but your personality probably changes with it. Depends on the mood you're in. And that's common. <laughs> and your personality <laughs> will change over your lifetime as you get I older. I get bored of it. That's like my main Do thing. You? I get bored of I've changed it like countless amount of times. Yeah, I can see you doing that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And that goes back to your mind flooding all the time. It's just being filled with new ideas. And just touching back on the sleep you talked about, a lot of, uh, your body really doesn't need more than four or five hours sleep. And a lot of businessmen who know this train themselves to get less sleep. In fact, I had a client come to me about three weeks ago that's saying, well, I'm getting seven or eight hours sleep, and that's just too much for me. And I've helped many people with sleep issues. This is the first person that came to me and wanted less sleep. So we worked on it, and uh, he called me just the other day and said, you know, it's amazing. So I'm really much more productive now, and I did that through hypnosis. And again, it's just getting them to change their mind. Now, going back to the four fears, again, fear of change. Man was willing to make a change, and he did it. If you're not willing to make a change, I mean, you walk into a grocery store, they know exactly the way you're going to walk. They have it all mapped out. You know, the produce is on the left, or the deli, or the fish, whatever. They know exactly what you're going to do, and they've studied it. They've studied your patterns. You need to talk to my mom because she's always getting on my case about you need to sleep more, you need to sleep more. I'm like, Mom, I don't need it. Yeah, I'm good. If you I don't need function. it. Yeah, Tiger Woods, perfect example of... And I study more? golfers. No, he doesn't need a lot of sleep. Donald Trump says he needs four hours sleep. Tiger Woods, three to four hours <laughs> in a 24-hour period. Um, so it's possible. Donald Trump needs more sleep. <laughs> well, do you find for women that it's different, though? Sleeping or... Yeah, sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Women toss and turn more and... And they have trouble getting to sleep. I've never, yeah. I'm a sleepy girl. I'm always sleepy, and I mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do four hours of sleep. I can't even recover from, like, less than eight hours really? a night. Well, it's not for everybody, but, see, that's a subject. You're not willing to make a change. You're so convinced. You're, you've said two or three times in that statement, well, I can't do this. I'm a sleepy girl. I don't know if I can. <laughs> yes, So I like all that. of that stuff, like that. you're implanting. You're, you're putting that in your head and you've had those thoughts for years so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you're talking yourself into the fact that you can't make the change boom now a perfect example is fear of flying oh i'm afraid to go on the plane my sister told me about an experience she had and i'm afraid or i saw a, a tv show of a plane going down and i'm afraid i'm afraid and they get all these stories and so when it's time for them to actually board a plane they've convinced themselves they are afraid so it's again you've got to be aware of how you talk to yourself it's very important never say never yeah Justin Bieber well, that, i mean that reminds me that like a lot of it like being afraid i feel like 
anxiety and like being afraid are kind of linked together can you help with that by doing hypnosis like how does that work yeah definitely they do go hand in hand that's exactly right anxiety and it's becoming much more prevalent we're passing it on to our kids i mean the parents now are the word i'm so stressed you hear it all the time when i was your age we had nothing to be stressed about we played outside all day and had fun and now i think the the whole world is changing and it's much more stressful and you're getting news 24 hours a day and you have so many ways of gathering information and most of the information is negative everything you see on tv is negative wars and suffering and political strife and you're getting it from completely around the world where 24 hours a day when i was a kid they had a six o'clock and a six thirty news and that was it and then you get it from your parents your parents probably more stressed the economy and they just pa- they don't do it on purpose, but they'll come home and they say, oh my gosh, I had such a hard day today, or the boss was really on me. And it's much more prevalent than it was, I think, 50, 40 years ago. I used to go out and play when the street lights came on, you come in. Now if you go out and you want to ride a bike, which you see very few kids do, you have to have the helmet and the horn. And we just went out and played. And if you got hurt, you got hurt. And you've got, that's part of growing up. But now if a kid gets hurt, then someone's going to get sued or someone's going to be responsible. And You're saying this generation yes. is soft. No, I'm not saying <laughs> that. But no, a little bit. I'm just it saying it's soft. different. <laughs> it's, we're soft. It, it's different. It's just yeah. different, which is fine. It's the way it is. But You were talking earlier about um, comedy hypnosis. What is that? Okay, I love doing my comedy hypnosis shows. It's really amazing. I get an audience together, preferably 60 or more. 60 or more people that I don't know, and this is all true, because if you were to see a comedy show for the first time, you'd say, I just don't believe it, But it, and because that's what I did when I saw my first show. But uh, I call for volunteers from the audience, and I have chairs up on stage or at the front, and I'll get 15 people, let's say, out of an audience of 60 or 70, and they'll come up on stage. Now, the general rule for your hypnotizability is 85% of the population is hypnotizable. 15% of the population is highly hypnotizable. So I'm looking for people that I know Wait, can so go... Wait, so real quick, there's no percentage that's just not hypnotizable? Well, there, there's about 5%. If okay. you're going to fight me and you don't want to be hypnotized, and I think in my life I've met three people I couldn't hypnotize. One was a general in the army who had secrets. He just was afraid he was going to reveal. And then two other people that just... Couldn't relax. And did they want to be hypnotized, though? Well, the ge- the guy in the army didn't. He just, okay, because it seems like they're yeah. shutting it out. Then. Yeah, you have to want to be hypnotized. Okay. But uh, so anyway, I have the people on stage, and I'm looking for the ones that I know are the most highly hypnotizable. I'll look at their body language. I'll do a similar introduction or induction that I gave to you. It's about eight minutes long, and out of the fifteen or however many people on stage, usually ninety percent, or if not all of them, are in deep hypnosis. Do you handpick the people or the no, people? No, they not at up? all. Yeah, ask for volunteers. Come on down. Anybody that's interested. Now I'll give a few tests to the audience, and I try and make the. I do about twenty minutes of an introduction. I talk about hypnosis, tell a few jokes. I do a few hypnosis tests. Then I say, whoever did well on those tests, come on down. Or if you just want to come and have fun, come on down. I'm looking for the fun people. Not afraid to just have some laughs. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything you wouldn't normally do. So they come up. They're ready to have fun. They know what they're getting into. I've told them I'll take care of them. 
not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to embarrass them. Yeah, maybe I'll have them do something silly, but it's comedy. It's Come comedy. On. You got to make yeah. them do something. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've got some. <laughs> I have hundreds of routines. And then you hypnotize the whole audience into laughing at your jokes. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they do that themselves. But uh, see, I don't have to be a comedian. I just have to steer them into these little scenarios. So if my show's another hour, then we do maybe 15, 20 scenarios. And I'll set a stage, a little scene, a vignette. I'll say, okay, and they're, you got to remember, they're all up on stage. And they're all deeply hypnotized. And I'll say, okay, now your shoe is a, you're training to be a fireman. And your shoe is now a breathing apparatus. So take off your shoe and breathe into your breathing apparatus. That's gross. So they wow. really feel, they know, and the shoes come off and they start sucking on their shoe. And breathing, and and then they'll make these faces, and then I'll say, okay, now switch breathing apparatus with your next door neighbor, the person Ooh. sitting next Ooh. to you. Yeah, so now they're switching, and yeah, so but it's hysterical. Or oh, I'll man. I'll get them, uh, I'll have a man deliver a baby, uh, actually physically feel that they're having a baby. Oh, yeah, pregnant, <laughs> and, and it's it's just. Can we get Richard to do that? I'll get no, thank you. <laughs> it's and he moans and yells, and then I'll talk to them. Hey. I told you I could talk to you during hypnosis, and their eyes are open and they're still in hypnosis. But he'll be sitting on the edge of his chair, and then I'll ask for two or three nurse volunteers to come up and help them deliver the baby. And he'll start going into contractions and moaning, and then he'll feel the baby come out, and one of the girls on stage will <laughs> help him deliver, and then, you know, you'll name the baby. Well, how did you get pregnant? And it leads to all sorts of funny questions. Has somebody ever, like, let something else out while they were ch- <laughs> Like, that's what I would think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know no, what you mean. no. Thank goodness. Never happened. Oh man, that'd be <laughs> yeah. a lot. Now, can you um, can you hypnotize somebody without them knowing it? Well, that's a covert hypnosis. I've never tried okay. it. Like if you were on a train of people and everybody's just like you're just doing something and everybody just gets hypnotized. Is that like is that possible? Not by me. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't attempt it. I don't oh, you're do anything. It's possible, so though? well, you'd have to have silence and everybody would really have to be able to pay attention. You couldn't do a whole train load. Maybe you could do one or two people sitting in the chair next mm. to you, or, but I've never tried it. So, As I, I told you, I talked to my clients. The first two questions I ask, and I shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm going to. First two questions I ask them under hypnosis, and I'll ask every person, no matter why they come to me. First question, and I want you to answer it. You don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to answer it to yourself. Question number one, do you feel you're running to or from something? Okay, so do you all have answers? You don't have to tell me. Yeah. Okay, but then they will tell me. I mean, in hypnosis, they'll say I'm running. Hopefully, I want them to run to something. I want them to see there's a light at the end of the tunnel, their future, they're running to being a non-smoker. If they say they're running from something, I'll say, well, what are you running from? Well, I'm running from a bad marriage, and or my husband beat me, or... You know, my sixth grade gym teacher was abusive, or my father, my mother, my young, whatever. So I'd rather have them run towards something than f- keeping that thought, that negative I'm running from in their mind. Let that go. Let it go. Let all stress, all tension, all negative thoughts just sort of melt away. You don't need to carry to carry that burden with you. All the negative burdens that we carry, the the guilt, the shame. There's no reason to carry shame. There's no purpose for that anymore in your life so that's the first question to or from then the second question and i find this very um telling and i'll say on a scale of one to ten with one being the lowest and ten being the highest what is your level of self-esteem so i want you all three to come up with an answer 
You don't have to tell me. Think about it. So many people, one, two, I'm a three, five. I've had very few people that have ever said they're over a seven. Now, sure, they're coming to me for help. You know, I'm not dealing with people that come to me need help. They're not perfect. and They're not. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If somebody's life. running to something and is like a 10 self-esteem, like why would they yeah. even? You're probably not seeing right. as many of those. Sure. But there's very few out there. There's so many people that have baggage from their youth, baggage from their first marriage, baggage from high school, on and on and on. Well, uh, my friend hurt me. He called me fat or I was bullied all through high school or I'm too thin, I'm too fat, whatever it is. They remember those negative things. You have a tendency to remember and ingrain the negatives more than the positives. So the level of self-esteem is, is important and it's a great guide for me to work on. If, I, if the person says I'm a four, then I'm going to work on as many things as I can while they're with me to build up their self-confidence. If they're a nine, which is very rare, but uh, then I won't have to focus on that. Yeah, just uh, one more thing on here. You said uh, you do a relationship repair. Yes. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure can. It's mostly for marriages or husbands and wives, but it doesn't have to be. It's couples that are having problems, and it always breaks down to communication. Someone's not talking. Someone's not listening. So I'll get them together. We'll discuss it, put them in hypnosis, and uh, they generally can release and talk much more freely. And it's just really a, an avenue for opening discussions that they generally haven't been able to do. Has there ever been like a couple that like hasn't worked out even yeah. with the hypnosis? Yes. And I'll tell them right up front, you know, not all marriages are destined to survive. And that's a fact. I mean, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say failure, but divorce. So coming to me, generally coming to a hypnotist is a last resort. I know that. <laughs> it's a sad fact, but it's, it, it is the last resort. So I have have helped several couples just sort of improve their marriage and work on certain issues. What do you guys think? Is hypnosis still creepy? I mean, a little <laughs> bit, but <laughs> but I mean, after explanation and hearing you talk about it and everything, it's pretty interesting. It's all right, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, once you, uh, once you basically said that it was just like a relaxation thing, it immediately reminded me of like meditation, which I do like, and it does help. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, truly credible because if you really take the time to get to know yourself i mean i'm coming from meditation i've never been hypnotized but when you really take the time and breathe and just focus on just you you do you start to feel better about yourself and your situations that you're in so i really i agree with it i do glad to hear it graham do you want to put anything out there any resources or like where people can find you or anything like that i guess i could put on my facebook page i have to read it off my card sure and we'll link it up too in the bio oh if you do link it up then i probably can't even read it facebook.com forward slash gramtastic and then the number one actually my business is called gramtastic hypnosis my first name See, that being sounds Graham. like magic yeah. yeah well i used to do some magic so uh, see but, but magic is trying guy. to fool people Right. Or hypnosis. I really feel I'm helping people. Right. That's cool. Um, and one last thing. If you could describe yourself in any flavor, what flavor would it be and why? Uh, I'd have to say Rocky Road, maybe, with nuts in it because I'm a little nutty. I like the bumps in the road, the Rocky, and I like chocolate, which generally is the base flavor for chocolate. So I'd be the exact opposite of vanilla, which is plain and dull. And I've had a very fortunate life. I've seen a lot of things met a lot of great people, traveled 
done a lot of wonderful things and uh, it's brought me here to hypnosis and you guys so i guess it would be rocky road what what flavor would you be We've done this before. Oh, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I did mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate what did you chip. do? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. But was I like Starburst or something? Yeah, Starburst. something rainbowy. And then yeah. what did you do? I think it was chocolate chip, maybe. Chocolate yeah. chip. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. And we all gave like some explanation mm-hmm. to it. I might add that question then to uh, my clients. That'll be the third question. What flavor are you? <laughs> what flavor ice cream would you be? Yeah, and then lead them to strange flavors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Graham Rocky Road Phillips, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. Join us next time on Strange Flavors when we talk to another stranger with another flavor. Press the gas, put these rappers in the casket. I'm past you. Say your prayers, boy. I'm the pastor. Moving fast, they don't see me like I'm Casper. Auntie likes me better than a son. You should ask her. Your mama mad comparing you to me. They talking about what we was And you mad cause I get it You and me but why your girl mad Cause I got better hair than she does <laughs> I think I forgot my manners A dirty beat doesn't really come with clean grammar I'm just a man until I turn into banner Look I was just trying to nail it But I just bring out the hammer ah, Check my mantra I'm a monster against an entry Gang Vinci You can't go without mentioning me If you ain't in bigger pot You ain't bigger than me I'm the wolf who crap bull Using pickles to me I'm not Hindu but they still got a dot on my head I'm having fun man You see me I'm just nodding my head If it's special cloth talk You ain't rocking the thread I heard you say that money Talks, you can talk to my brain.